The opinions expressed in the following program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media. Family-owned Palermo Pizza underwrites this episode of Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast, located at 901 Gazan Parkway, Southwest Wyoming, and available at 616-531-8300. If you ever visit New York, there's a warning you should know. Beware of Sleepy Hollow, it's a place you dare not go. For there is an age-old story that villagers believe is true about a ghastly specter who preys on the likes of you. Buried in the ancient churchyard is a trooper without a head, and in the gloomy moonlight he rises from the dead. Known as the Headless Horseman, he rides the road at night, forever searching for his head. He's such an eerie sight. They tell of a gangling teacher who courted a winsome miss, a wealthy farmer's daughter who promised a life of bliss. But she had another suitor, a formable young man, who vied with the crafty Ichabod for the lovely maiden's hand. Rebuffed by his intended, Ichabod was riding home, through the darkened woods, fearful and alone. When suddenly a rider came, his eyes grew wide with fear. He was the headless horseman, and he was drawing near. Faster and faster through the trees he chased poor Inkabod Crane, who fled the village that same night and was never seen there again. Brought to you by WKTV, I'm Wayne Thomas. Welcome to another Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast. To be on this show, you have to have certain requirements. <laughs> Spooky, weird, or strange. So that's what I use the criteria to pick my co-host. Hi, I'm Kim Colleen, and I'm a normal co-host of the Grand Rapids Paranormal Podcast. Thank you for joining us tonight. I'm uh, Brian Jose of Kent County Paranormal and a co-host of the Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Podcast. Our very special guest, returner, <laughs> Shatan Noir. Hi, Shatan. Hi. So you guys have probably already heard my bio like a thousand times, but I'm Shatan Noir. Um, I run Into the Liminal Abyss Paranormal Podcast, but also uh, the Great Lake Center for Unexplained Events and Phenomena. I am a author, a travel journalist, and my focuses are the paranormal, cryptozoology, and weird travels. I think she left some stuff off. Just a little I, I, bit. You know, I want to save time for everybody okay. else. Right. And this special episode, we're going to talk about urban legends, uh, hence the legend of Sleepy Hollow, the poem by A.H. Sekowski. Great poem. It tells the story pretty complete. Here's two of your books. We're featuring these two books because cryptozoology is, you know, what you're into, mm -hmm. right? And you've been focusing on Bigfoot lately, but you also head up Dogman of Mich Michigan's Dogman? Yeah, I am the um, lead investigator for the Michigan chapter of the North American Dogman Project. So um, I do a little bit of B Bigfoot research, but I feel that there are people who are much more interested in it. 
And so I focus on a lot of your more obscure um, cryptids, um, particularly lake monsters. Um, that's one of my favorites. And then dogmen and other. Um, Bigfoot, I think, is so commonplace that mm -hmm. so many people investigate it. Um, I kind of want to, you know, do research into things that, uh, the other things that go bump in the night. Mm -hmm. Okay, right. Or swim through the, the seas or fly through the air, so. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like some of the Bigfoot people, they're, they're all Bigfoot. Yeah, uh, they're changing. That's, that's I think. their whole focus. Is yeah, Bigfoot. they're 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 focused on Bigfoot. Yeah. Let's read the titles of your books mm -hmm. here. Can you see them, Kim? I cannot. Can you, Shatan? Uh, you know, Lake monsters and odd creatures of the Great Lakes is the one that uh, is being pointed to right now. Yep. And then Mothman and other flying creatures of the Midwest is my second book. And then. You don't have my third book. Uh, well, you're, I have. You're your lucky book. that little Tegan's not here because she'd be so distraught with you. Yeah, <laughs> I have your third book, but I don't have it here because we wanted to feature these two. Yeah. Um, the other one is on spells. The one, the one I have. Oh um, no, the the one I'm talking about is my my third. Is that a bee? Nope, fly. It's no, a big fly. Um, <laughs> big fly. <laughs> well, he plays in the park. Um, no, the the third book in my cryptid series is the children's book series that I started of Tegan Gray, my little miniature picture, oh, goes right. monster hunting. And the, the first monster she goes hunting is Bigfoot um, because he crashes her tea party. So, so Tegan oh. is your little pooch. Yeah, I didn't bring her tonight um, just because uh, it's getting a little bit colder outside. And, uh, you know, she'll be like burying herself in whatever blankets she can find. So, <laughs> oh. you know. Yeah, last time she was here with babies. I know they're 15 weeks old now. They're so cute. Right. So we're doing urban legends. And I started out with Sleepy Hollow. This pretty much, this poem told the story pretty well. And then Brandon has a connection to Sleepy Hollow too. He came to the table to, wanting to talk about Sleepy Hollow. So this worked yeah. out well. I love it. Yeah, so mine, I actually have like ancestors that were from, well, it's North Terrytown, which was also called Sleepy Hollow. Now it's officially like Sleepy Hollow, that area there. But it was kind of called that. It just wasn't officially the town name. Um, yeah, so like my, I know it was actually, related like my family's kind of like some of my family members are married into the van tassels as well so it's kind of all you know that connection there um so yeah so i wanted to cover some of the stories i don't know if you want to because i think you had some of the stuff you want to cover some of, like the older european legends well yeah and i just wanted to, i wanted it. to find out from the our guests if they you know what they knew of the of the legend if if they thought it was true or not um i guess with the legend of Sleepy Hollow, anything's possible because um, that happened uh, so long ago. You don't really know um, the different elements that were really part of it. You, we have the legend. We do have um, people who lived in the area who claim by it. But um, I have to say my my knowledge of Sleepy Hollow um, pertains to the Scooby-Doo episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, the movie that came out uh, where the uh, the Headless Horseman just kept on pursuing everybody. And yeah. So the one um, with Johnny Depp in it. Yeah. Like yes. Tim Burton's yes. Version. And so um, and because it's a it's a um, East Coast um urban legend um that's kind of out of my wheelhouse i really focus on like the great lakes area mm -hmm. and uh the stuff that we have going on around here because mm -hmm. i have more access to it sure yeah now i like the disney's version myself the cartoon oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I think that, that, one, that one I think was even before Tim Burton's. Uh, that, oh, way before. Right. Yeah. But, you know, it's, uh, well, it's legend. It's American folklore. It's a gothic short story by Washington Irving. That's what the, the, um, the version of Sleepy Hollow is. But the Headless Horseman actually goes back to the Middle Ages, stories of the Headless Horseman. So uh, Washington wasn't, he, he wasn't unique in his story. It, it had been told Ireland has a legend, the Scottish have their version, the English have a version of the Headless Horseman. But there are half-truths, because there was an actual Hessian soldier. Now, Hessian, they were actually they were like German soldiers. Yeah, they, they were mercenaries the British hired right. from Germany to come over and, and to fight, hired from the, you know, the German gang to come over and fight. And then they were kind of known as very voracious, kind of very, you know, bayonets, you know, very <laughs> stuff like that. And like a lot of it, like, and a big backstory of it is where Sleepy Hollow is located. That area of New York, the British, uh, the Americans originally had, held New York, but the British conquered New York City. And then the Americans were on the outside. Sleepy Hollow's right in between where the British and the American line. So it's no man's land at the time of the Revolution. So at the time you actually had, and where the, the Headless Horseman, another one where it comes in with the Van Tassel connection is, it was like during that time they actually, a lot of times the Hessians and the, the Tories would go and burn Loyalist house houses down that happened to like a lot of different of my family members that were kind of there the British would just come in and just burn if they knew you were a patriot they're burning burning you out and the Van Tassel one was one of their homes got burned and one of the Hessian soldiers it was the Hessians and the, and the Tories but one of the Hessian soldiers actually went and um, after the house was burned because like the there was a mother and, a, and an infant daughter were freezing it was like you know a really cold night, so he actually went back and he went into the burning house and got them blankets and stuff like that, so and coats, so that way they could cover up, so that way they wouldn't freeze to death. Out I there. didn't know you were going to have a family connection to mm -hmm. this. Yeah, that's why I wanted to do it because I have the connection yeah. to the Sleepy Hollow. And then area. there was there wasn't an, an Ichabod there, Crane. There was a, there was a person named Ichabod Crane. Whether right. that was more coincidence. That um, it, it's believed it was much more based on his friend Jesse Merwin, who was actually a school teacher, um, based on some of his ones, and he actually had a um, a, a horseman uh, race or being chased by it. But what the actual one was because at the time, and the and the headless horseman or the legend of Sleepy Hollow, it's more, it's the competitor. It's believed more. It's more Brom Bones is the one that you know chases him to try to scare him away from Katrina Van Tassel and but what and his one was actually he he was like seeing this girl and he wouldn't propose to him so back then they actually had this tradition that's called this I don't know exactly how it's pronounced but it's like chivalry so mm -hmm. one of his friends was Abraham which is where Brahm and he actually chased after him because they used to do that to try to scare to try to make people either propose or break up you know, that was kind of a tradition back then. Because, like, okay, you've, you've been dating her long enough. It's time to pop the question. Mm -hmm. So him and some of his other friends actually chased after him on their horses. <laughs> wow. And then they, start, then they started laughing at him, and then they knew who it was, you know. So that's actually where the Headless Horseman chase. There actually was a true version of that that actually had happened. Well, I thought there was an actual Hessian soldier that was, there was. De decapitated. There was. He, that was the Hessian soldier that went in to the Van Tassel ones. Like later on, they found his body without a head. Yeah. 
And then it was believed the Van Tassels actually like buried, had his body paid for to have his body buried, as a way of thanking them for you know thanking him for going rushing into the building to. So he was fighting them. against the Americans. He had his head taken off by a cannonball mm -hmm. during the Battle of White Plains, and it was around Halloween, 1776, and he was buried in the old Dutch church, mm -hmm. in what was Terrytown. They actually renamed the area later. Late in 1996, that was officially renamed Sleepy Hollow, but it was kind of known as Sleepy Hollow well before, even before Washington Irving. I didn't and know Washington we gonna... <laughs> Irving himself is actually buried in the old Dutch church okay. cemetery as well. <laughs> I didn't know we were going to cover this this deep. Yeah. That's cool that you, yeah. that you, had, That's you and I had the yeah. same idea, and this poem mm -hmm. was great. This poem mm -hmm. told the story yeah. so well. Yeah. Now, we got to hear from our special guest. I'm sure she has stories. I don't oh. think she had to research too much. I think this is all in her head. This is all real life for you. Unfortunately, it's just like, yeah, okay. So, um, do you want me to do all three of mine or just one of them? Well, or? you just do one. I mean, then we'll move on and okay. let's hear what Kim has, has one. Okay. So, I think the first one I want to do is the Lake Superior Mermaid. Oh, nice. Ooh, mermaid. And so, this legend actually dates back to the 1700s. And the legend goes that a fur trader had hired a um, Native American squaw. Um, woman uh, to help him guide him and navigate around the different um, island chains of Lake Superior and the coastlines because they were fur trapping. So they just happened to have stopped on Pie Island, which is in between um, Isle Royale and the Canadian border. And as they were making camp, the men spotted what they thought was a beaver at the time. Um, out in the water and so they were paying close attention to it because obviously beaver pelts are worth money so they were making plans to kill it until the Native American um, woman took notice of it and said no 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 it's bad enough that we've even seen this creature we have to get away from the lake shore and they said what are you talking about and she said that is not a beaver that is the water god of Lake Superior. And so some de debating went back and forth and they were saying, no, it's a beaver. And eventually this creature raises up out of the water and has the brownish, like a brownish tan skin, but he has the upper torso of a human. And quite obviously, the the um, lower part of a fish and he proceeds to you know acknowledge them and by now the native american lady is just beside herself because this is very very bad not to mention the men are all pointing guns at this creature right. ready to pull the trigger and she's like no no we need to leave it alone we need to get as far away from the shore as possible because this manitou uh, which is the Native American um, word for for gods, this Manitou now has taken notice of us and a storm will be coming. So she immediately retreated into the woods and started making camp uh, as far away from the, the edge of the island, the lakeshore as she could. And so the men eventually followed and for the next three days, a tremendous gale swept over Lake Superior to the point where it was damaging their ships. 
And it was only until the third day came and things settled down that they truly started to believe um, what the Native American woman had been telling them and started showing some respect to the Native American legends that, that abound in, in our Great Lakes area because they had encountered the great Manitou of Lake Superior and uh, if they had shot at him, things would have been much, much worse. Yeah. Oh, wow. What, that's an incredible story. Yeah, that's good story. We have such a background here in this state with the Native American Indians. Mm -hmm. Now, I thought maybe that would be something you'd see in Florida, like a, a manatee. Yeah. Um, different places around the globe have different um, water creatures, mer people. And so this one is actually um, really interesting because it's, it's in our own Great Lakes. Right. Um, and it was seen by a whole hunting party uh, and a Native American. Um, and that's the reason why they didn't shoot at it because she just, you know, was like, you shoot at it, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm leaving. This is, you know, nothing you want to um, mess with. And so she finally convinced them to come inland um, because when the storm came, it was ferocious. Mm -hmm. Is there documented evidence to support that? Only the eyewitness reports that, that go along with the, the legend itself. Um, the Lake Superior, it's, uh, you know, I, I always say there's no sharks or whales in, right. in the Great Lakes, but uh, it would not surprise me if something huge was swimming in the lakes and we didn't know it. Right. Because Lake Superior is an inland sea and it's just so massive. Yeah. Cryptozoology, you know, the whole definition is unsubstantiated but so often it is substantiated and by reputable people whether it's sea captains or police mm -hmm. or whatever and and, it, and there's multiple witnesses so I mean the whole definition of cryptozoology I wonder sometimes it just doesn't fit because there are a lot of people Maddie is Shatan's mic picking up good because she's a ways away okay Maddie Court's with us this week, so we're getting different. I can move it closer. Is that we're, better? We'll, we'll get different uh, shots this week. Maddie's with us. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, so cool. Yeah. Ah, that's a good story. Good story. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Good good legend for local, too. Yeah. Kim, what you got something? Oh, yes, I do. Um, so I live in Holland, Michigan, uh, and the Felt Mansion and the legend of the Melon Heads uh are kind of a popular legend about where i grew up and still live today so um if if nobody's familiar with felt mansion it actually is in holland and it's sort of i don't know if you can pick up on this but this is what it looks like it's got 25 rooms okay three floors and a huge ballroom and a carriage house it's it's massive right so the story is um and this is true that the the felt mansion was built in 1928 by a man named dor felt and it was supposed to be their summer home basically for him and his wife agnes and sadly after about six weeks after moving into the mansion she died and all we know right now is there's other legends that go along with her death, um, but we do know the story is that um, she died in her bedroom 
um, like I said, six weeks after they moved in. And then unfortunately, um, her husband, Dor, died a year and a half later. So they didn't get to, you know, spend a lot of time in the mansion. And the family actually kept the mansion um, until 1949. And then the descendants uh, sold it. And then it became a Catholic prep school for young men. And then later on, uh, nuns had lived in it. And then in the late 1970s, it became a prison. So um, kind of going towards what I want to talk about with my urban legend is the melon heads. And the story of the melon heads is that they live around the property area, and that is the woods had, has served as a hiding place for them. Now, even now, um, many say that these large-headed beings are actually, and I'm going to show you guys a picture of what the melon heads supposedly look like, okay? So that's, they had these really large brains and it was actually called um, hydrocephalus, which is called waterhead syndrome. Um, and the legend says they were mistreated and had experiments conducted on them during the time um, that they were at the Junction and Same Asylum, which is right near where the mansion was built. And at some point, um, something had happened where these children were, were released or kicked out of the asylum, and they escaped into the woods, which is now, I believe, like Allegan Woods um, mm -hmm. in that area. And these, these melon heads developed a society of their own and started living in basically underground caverns. Um, and one version says that the original group of the children who had been experimented on had gone back to the asylum, murdered the doctor that had mistreated them, and chopped his body into pieces, which were then scattered and buried around the mansion ground, specifically probably in the wooded area. So some people still claim to see the melon heads near uh, felt mansions. Some people call them wobble heads. Um, visitors and late night explorers have reported seeing uh, strange noises, heavy breathing footsteps, shadows darting through the darkness. Um, so whether you believe melon heads are real or not, it's a cool legend. And it's spooky. They've done ghost hunts back there before, the Felt Mansion has. And uh, uh, you can determine yourself if you believe in melon heads. Oh, there not. has to be a certain amount of truth to this. To this. I mean, it's not just. The true. Okay, so the truth is the, the boys' school, um, people had, it was like a privileged society. And people had labeled him, labeled the boys that went to these school as smarties. You know, hey, you've got a big head, you're so smart, you know, and kind of that's where it all started from. Yeah, it was like a boys seminary school after, after that was sold. Before like the, there was a, well, I think it was a police headquarters. It and the was. prison was in the back. Yep. The prison was what, every, what got turned into, all of a sudden now it's the legend, it became the insane asylum, but it was right. actually like, kind of some of the remains of the prison that was back there. So whether there's real life um, 
whether there's real life creatures like this, you know, it's a legend. I think there, I and really the, think there are real, they're, they're real. But and see, this, this legend is not just Michigan based because right. yeah, you're right. Ohio, Pennsylvania, yes. Yep. Yes. Kentucky, um, mm -hmm. a lot of states have um, very similar yep. urban legends. Like um, almost every state has a crybaby bridge. Um, legend or the the tennis shoe um you know tree legend almost every single state has a similar version and i have come across the report of the melon heads yeah um in several different states and the the story gets you know changed some of the yeah. details here and there but it's always um a group of young children possibly related who who all have this physical yep, affliction yep and they've they've um either been sequestered to a, a insane asylum or something like that. They're mistreated, they escape, and mm -hmm. then they, they set up a colony of their own. So right. I've found, I, I have found similar tales in, in several different states. Yeah, of I did Melonhead. read about the one. It's not only in Michigan, but like you yes. said, I did read about the Ohio one as right. well yeah, during my research. Like, yeah, like two other states that even have like the same doctor name, the same Oh, really? Same story, like even to that point where it's the same, you know. I know. It might have been X Files. I'm not sure if it was. It should have been if it wasn't. There but was a movie made about it too. Okay, so. but what's cool is we're about 15 minutes from the Felt Mansion. Yeah. I mean, we're close. Yeah, totally. We're in Kent County, but we're real close to Allegan County. Yeah, this is in totally. Allegan County. Yeah, and Brenda, uh, Brandon's got connections to this too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the curator, the one that like repaired it, is actually like a second cousin patty meyer are you related to everybody <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah. you're related to patty meyer yeah, yeah her last name is it's patty Bacon. meyer jose <laughs> oh i didn't know that yeah or jose meyer i should say okay, okay. we went to saint hyphenated Cecilia. name <laughs> we went to saint cecilia downtown the music center and brandon's looking on the pictures on the walls he goes oh yeah i think i'm related to her <laughs> Yeah, well, the See, names, he's, yeah. He's this show's version of Kevin Bacon. He's like, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. steps away from everybody. Everybody's related. And I did oh some gosh. acting, so I'm only three degrees removed from Kevin Bacon in <laughs> acting oh movies. <laughs> now, wasn't your, didn't your group go out there to the mansion, though, recently? We did uh, recently. We had, like, 12 different – we had um, – Darren joined us out there as well, as well as some other people. And it, it was a fun night going to investigate. I don't know if we really got much. Um we did have an interesting Estes session in the carriage house where I kept repeating over that um, that when they were building the building up on the hill, and which I'm not sure if it was referring to the prison, because the prison is like up the hill from the mansion. The mansion's up the hill from the carriage house, so right. it's kind of, you know, the three tiers. But it says like when they were building the building up on the hill, somebody was murdered on the side of the house in a conspiracy over money. It's like I wanted to tell people, but I couldn't. Hmm. So but it kept like repeating that story over and over during the Estes, like, you know, coherent sentences going through. So I found that very interesting. I don't know what the truth of that is or what really happened know. there. I found it very interesting, though. Yeah, Dar he's talking about Darren Dykhoff from yeah. Lakeshore Paranormal, mm -hmm. one of our good friends. Darren's been here four times, and now Shatan, you have been here four times on our show. I know. That's right. I so between you and Darren, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> So we, we love both of you. Appearances. Yeah, yeah. Know, right? we love both of you. You got to make sure you get on the calendar for next year and keep ahead of Darren right. now. Yeah. Right. Well, just give me the dates and you know you plan around it. Yeah, <laughs> right. We'll we'll get you we'll get you back here for sure because you always got interesting things to talk about. Now, because I'm the devil, I included the Jersey Devil in one of my urban legends, and it's a legendary creature 
uh, reportedly in Pine Barrels, uh, South New Jersey, Philadelphia. Pine Barrels. Um, what did I say? You said Pine Barrels. Yeah, Pine Barrens? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it's a flying cryptid, so it's right up Chatan's Alley with hooves. Um, they have plaster cast of the hooves. And it's a dragon-like, which the dragon lady is with us tonight. Yeah, so there's been various renditions. I've, I've seen one, I think, that a school kid did. It was great. I mean, it was an X-Files episode. It was episode uh, five on X-Files. It's a uh, 19th century setting. A naval commander blew a hole in it, they said. But it didn't do it any any damage at all. It just kept on coming with a big hole in it, and uh, it was in 1840 to 1841. A uh, sheep and chickens were disappearing, and it's known for its piercing scream. Hmm. And but the hooves, the hooves is what got me, and then the fact that they had plaster hmm. uh, cast of the hooves. So anything to add to the. Jersey well, Devil? No, so the, the legend of the Jersey Devil begins with Mother Leeds um, oh, right. yep, giving I didn't birth get to, that to her part. 13th child, 13th and child. upon it being born, she curses it, which is never good, and it quickly develops into this um, demonic creature um, with wings, hooves, a yeah. horse's head, and I don't believe, I, does it kill the midwife? It does something to the midwife, and then it escapes up the chimney, and uh, from then on, it's it's a um, part of the Pine Barrens, you know, um, landscape, um, with becoming one of their what I call a, a small town monster, or hometown monster. It's kind of their claim to fame. Now, the thing you have to keep in realization with with the accounts of finding like the tracks and stuff like that in that area area, you obviously have horses, deer. You have deer. You have Cows, moose, right. which all are cloven hooved or have hooves and can leave a track. So just because you find tracks in the woods, um, they, they would have to be very phenomenal for me to believe that it was a cryptid creature. Um, also in that area, you have your raptor birds, like um, different kinds of eagles, hawks, owls, um, all that have a large wingspan. So there again, we can't you know, just discount somebody seeing something flying through the woods because um, where I live in Livingston County, we actually have bald eagles now, mm -hmm. which never in my lifetime do we have bald eagles. And now every time I let my 15 week old uh, Minpin toy poodle puppies outside, they go outside with my 150 pound Mastiff so that if there is something lurking in the trees, like a raptor, a bald eagle, they puppies have some type of, you know, yeah. uh, protection. Right. I'm also out there too, but it's just the fact that we have seen birds of prey with very large wingspans wow. flying around our house. And to the point where this summer, I was helping my dad um, in his driveway do something. And I just happened to look up and I could have sworn there was a pterosaur flying above our pole barn. Oh and I was like, dad, dad, look, look, look. And he looks up and, and he's like, yeah, it's a heron. I'm like, yeah. But if you didn't know that was a heron, you would say that was a that, right. that was was a pterosaur oh, yeah, they're huge. because of the way that their necks and heads from underneath the way that you're looking at them the head and the neck the wingspan the for the shape of the wings and then the fact that they 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 had their their legs like behind them together and then it makes a almost like like um a devil's point on the tail 
if you're just standing there watching this and you're only getting like a 30 second view, you're like, crap, that's a, that's a pterosaur in modern day. Actually, it's, it's a sandhill crane or it's a, a um, heron of some type. So with, with eyewitness reports, you have to kind of take into, um, especially if it's, not, if it's not documented in the fossil record, you kind of have to take into account what other natural occurring species are in that particular location. And I don't try to, to be a cynic. I don't try to, you know, um, uh, you know, like criticize anybody's evidence, but I'm also, you know, uh, look at things from a, a detective point of view right. and um, what else is around that it could be, you know, compared to. So, you know, was the Jersey Devil born out of Mother Leeds and did it escape up the, the chimney pipes and still haunts the Pine Barrens to this day? Uh, I guess uh, maybe let's take a road trip to yeah. Pine Barrens. And, uh, yeah, there, there are some real world explanations for some of these things. And you point them out in your books uh, very nicely. And you go back to the, some of the prehistoric things, too. But this is a sensational story. Like you said, mother leads expecting her 13th child, wishes the child be a spawn of devil. And they say they witnessed it. It was born a healthy boy. It sprouted wings, a tail, hooves, and Blew away. That's the story. So it's a sensational story made for a good X Files. Uh, anybody else want another one they want to bring up? Because I have three pages. You can go on to another well, one. Well, okay. When Exie was here, she on her way home. I love her. Yeah. Well, we did too. When Exie was here on her way home, she saw an owl, and then we talked about it. And owl is, you know, a symbol or a sign of, of things. And Usually, in most places, people consider it a bad omen. However, a white owl has a particular meaning of good luck. A black owl is, has to do with uh, awakening. But the thing is, owls are like accompany death. And the dead owl, if you find a dead owl, that's the worst of all. Oh, boy. Yeah, because that means that it's not just a death. It's your death. Uh, and, and so... If you dream of an owl that's approaching death, if you see a flying owl, it's family problems coming. And uh, I mean, she didn't want to buy into it when she told me about it. And she goes, well, I believe it's other things. And other people did believe that it could be a good thing. Um, like I said, white owls, good luck. There was an Indian tribe, the Apache believed that you died and you came back as an owl. So yeah, an owl like, has a legend like a black cat. Mm -hmm. bad luck but isn't it's kind of like but it depends on what part of the the, the world you're from because right. people of european descent believe that owls represented wisdom wisdom right and the native americans in in north america believe that they were very bad luck and that seeing uh these large owls meant that you were you were going to face either hardship or somebody was going to die so it really depends on what part of the world right. you're from and what your belief system is. Yep. If you were to ask me, before I did research on my Mothman book, if you were to ask me, well, what do owls represent to you? I would have said wisdom. Sure. You know, because of the influences of the Harry Potter, you know, owls in there and, and different elements like that, I would have said they represent wisdom. But knowing now that the Native Americans saw them as a sign of, of um, impending doom, that kind of changes my, my you know, thought system on that. So, yeah, I mean, it's no worse than seeing a black cat walking under a ladder or spilling salt if you buy into that. 
Yeah, it, it means death in Africa, Middle East, and Native American tribes. In Mexico, it stands for darkness, magic, uh, night, and death. But it's also on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. So that's owls. I mean, I, th I thought that was interesting that X that Exy saw an owl on her way home from here. And then Brandon had an experience here. And Exy says there's a couple spirits here in this building. So whether it's probably attached to the property. So. I, have, I have a quick story about Etsy. She'll probably kill me for this Exy later. Susan Smith. <laughs> I love her so yes. much. So I first met Exy um, a couple of years ago. We were doing the, the Houghton Paranormal Conference and we were roommates at these little cabins. Mm -hmm. So, um, I have my little, you know, Tegan with me. I'm sorry that I didn't bring her tonight. She's usually dragon. Um, so we were getting along and, and like uh, anytime like we'd walk past Exie's room or she'd walk into the bathroom, Tegan would do this at her. And so we, we do Friday night, we get back, we go to sleep. And so we both were driving separately. So we both left, you know, within a few minutes of each other to get to um, the Anchor Inn where the event's being held. And so I'm sitting talking um, to everybody there and I decided, oh, I'm gonna, you know, go use the restroom before, mm -hmm. you know, um, we get ready for the day. So I didn't know that Etsy was already in the larger stall. So I just go in and I'm sitting on the stall and Tegan's sitting on my lap and then we hear something in the next stall. And Tegan is, is, she is a dragon. She might look like a minpin, but she is a dragon. <laughs> Jumps off my lap and she's, uh, uh -oh. she, she's looking, <laughs> she, you know, she's growling at it. So she slowly sneaks forward and all of a sudden she, she shoots herself underneath the, the stall wall. And it's a good thing Etsy was still sitting on the toilet seat because yeah. she got the scare of her life. Oh, no. Because Tegan's like, arr, 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 arr. And she, oh my God, Tegan, stop that. Don't you do that. <laughs> I'm like, Etsy? And she's like, yeah. Shatan, yeah. Okay. She's like, that was scary because this bathroom is actually haunted. And I thought the thing that haunts the bathroom was coming underneath the stall door to get me. Oh man. And so we had a, we had a good laugh, but it was, it was, uh, one of those two times where my dog actually pranked both of us, oh my you know, goodness. me and another person. So that's my, my fun story. With Everywhere Exy goes. I, mean, <laughs> I love her dearly. Her. She's, she's so wonderful. She was, um, I got a new cat this, this summer who is a Cheshire cat and until she likes you, she will disappear at will. And it became a weekly thing of where'd the cat go. So I'm like contacting, uh, Etsy and my, and my friend Cheryl Lynn and I'm like, do you guys pick up on the cat? And she's like, yeah, it, it looks like this. I'm like, no, no, that's the cat that's actually in my parents' part of the house. My cat's a links point. So it, it was a fun, fun, fun psychic tag and go seek with a cat. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, boy. Etsy would appreciate this. Yeah, she would. Well, that's a great story. I know she, you guys have uh, had the rooms together. She talked about yeah. that. Mm -hmm. I had another one because obvious reasons, Fort Wayne. Oh, yes. Fort Wayne, Detroit. You might want to turn that off. Nobody's going to hear us. <laughs> wants to be part of the show here. Now watch, she won't turn off. There we go. Yeah. Fort Wayne, for obvious reasons, seeing my name is Wayne. Yeah. 
in Detroit, near Detroit area, um, Detroit River. It's one mile from Canada. They built it, and they discovered 900-plus-year-old Native American Indians buried there. Well, they built, they built it anyway. And so, obviously, they uh, have unrest Native American Indians there. They're, they're not at rest. And they have Civil War soldiers also that march in that area. Teams have been in there, reported footsteps, uh, human-shaped uh, shadows, voices, doors opening, closing, all the poltergeist typical stuff. Uh, early morning apparitions, ghost conversations. The visitor's bathroom and the ladies' bathroom is especially haunted. So, yeah, in 1900s, it was discovered, the Indian burial ground. So that's close. I mean, that's close to us. That's a Michigan connection mm -hmm. right over in Detroit. So I've never been there, but it sounds like they, they report it as one of the most uh, haunted places in Michigan. Hmm. It's on one yeah. of those lists. So it's been some ghost hunters and some of those different ghost shows. I know they've investigated there, I believe. Okay. Yeah. I believe it was more, it would be more like Revolutionary War, French Indian War kind of time period. I believe with that for it. Not, um, well, you might be thinking of um, River Raisin. Yeah, River Raisin. When I went and checked that area out too. But I think Fort Wayne was about that same time period, I believe, as well. I thought there was a Sauk, a uh, Fox Indian tribe connection there which a lot of these indians were just completely massacred and it's no wonder if they might be not at rest or they might want some vengeance you know they have some unfinished business with the white man it's no wonder and it wasn't just the white man that was wiping them out they were fighting against each other it wasn't uncommon for entire hunting parties to disappear I mean, they, they want to blame Bigfoot for it. You know, Bigfoot ate them, or they just, they never came back. They just disappeared. And we chased uh, tribes right out of Michigan. Uh, the Sauk was one of them. What was left of them, they ended up moving uh, out of state. We still left with, you know, the whole Michigan is named, all Indian names, mm -hmm. all, all mm -hmm. around us. We, our background, we may not have stuff like you might find uh, in cultures like in Europe but we do have a lot of stuff happening here in Michigan whether it's just all this water that surrounds us that energy that you get from from water that spirits seem to be able to use whether it's the magnetic field that's under Michigan I don't know but this is, this is a spooky area I used to hand out a flyer that's that had locations that were known for being haunted and on there I had a whole list of things. Um, hospitals uh, were on that list. Brothels were on that list, uh, commonly haunted. Um, old buildings like hotels, battlefields, um, schoolyards, churches, museums, cemeteries. And I added, I found out this list was incomplete after going out to the Belding Library and then finding out that Hackley Library was reported haunted. So I added to that list libraries but also found out that the list was incomplete because all these ships that these people are going to oh, yeah. recently yep. that are haunted and the different hauntings on the ship so i added that but the latest entry to this list of haunted places is roads roads, roads. in michigan Ooh. 
I have 13 on my list. <laughs> uh, we, we can't talk about them all, but we've had Ben Goldman yeah. in here yep. with Afterlife Road. He talked about some of them, and some of them, like the Seven Gables Road, you know, they say that is one of the most haunted roads in Michigan. And they talked about the lady in white with blood on her dress. Now, this lady must get around. <laughs> this lady in white, because she's on three or four different roads here. This lady in white and then blood on her dress. And that's another Sleepy Hollow one, too, is the lady in white is another Sleepy Hollow ghost story and the ghost of John Andre, or uh, of Andre, uh, the one who turned Benedict Arnold, too. The the tree there is the, art, or the John Andre tree. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. yeah. This lady so in even, white. Even there, they have a lady in white, too. <laughs> She's all over the place. Yeah, so I just, I'll read just what's on this list, and then we, we'll move on to uh, one of Chatan's. But well, I won't get into the details yet. But Seven Gables Road, Dice Road, which Ben was in here and talked about that one. That one is maybe um, is on the list of one of the most haunted places. Blood Road, he talked about, and they say that one is... Um, worship they had witches and devil worship and and they get puddles of water that turned to what looks like blood in that area um, four on the list was denton road bridge there are a few bridges and then there's the blue lady there and a lady with a lantern moral road lady dressed in white with the blood stains sawyer road robson road st Auburn uh, Street in Detroit, North Adams Road in Addison, Hatchet Man Road, you might have heard that one, it's a patch of, on 28th Avenue between M40 over by Goebbels near Kalamazoo, and they see uh, dark shadows. The, the stories always vary a little, you know, there's more than one story that goes to these urban legends. Geddes and LaForge in Ypsilanti. Perch River Bridge in Saginaw, Hell's Bridge. Now, they talk about that one as the road because it's the whole area. And now Kim and yeah. Brandon went out to Hell's Bridge with mm -hmm. Ben. Yep. And out there, you're supposed to be able to hear the devil. At midnight. Yeah. yeah and then also, they hear children. Screaming. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't quite stay till midnight. Uh, the heat and the bugs, I think, were getting to They'd us after a fisherman, <laughs> but... <laughs> I know there was like a someone fishing or canoeing or something yeah, like somebody that. Yeah, was fly fishing out there when it, was yeah, like, so oh, it, somebody's coming. Oh, there it's oh, well, fly okay. fishermen. Oh, Got us all excited there. For that a while. stream must be bigger than what I thought. Well, it's kind of I think it's like a stream that kind of goes to like a river. I think. Okay. The, yeah. Yeah. Like he kind of came from the river and was parked up at the uh, the parking spot, so he kind of went made his way down there toward mm -hmm. to the river. We've covered Hell's Bridge pretty thoroughly I on think this program. So. We've talked about it on our last podcast mm -hmm. with the Reverend Duchesne. Yeah. And they, they tried to break down some of the stuff that didn't quite add up right. right. Yeah. So rather than, rather than get into all the details, because some of them are common, like I say, in, in these roads, but there's a lot of them. My list has 13, and I know there's, there's more that are on the list. But so... I mean, you can just drive around. You don't even have to get out of your car, apparently, right. and yeah. have a paranormal experience. And look for experience. a woman in white covered in blood. Well, it's like in Hell's Bridge, too. It's another crybaby bridge, yeah. too. You know, it's another one of those legends that's all over the place, too. Right. So, Shatan, you got another one So, for us? I do, and it actually ties in with Detroit. Um, 
And this is the legend of the Nain Rouge. All right. So the little devil. Yes. But what a lot of people don't realize is the story and legend of the Nain Rouge does not begin in Detroit. It actually begins in New France, which was Quebec, um, when Cadillac, you know, was there. And another Indian Cadillac. No, he was actually a French oh. uh, fur trader. Or he was a, he was French, um, but he had been commissioned to go to the Detroit area or today's Detroit area and establish a fort and a trading post. Now, on the night that he is he is being celebrated, an old uh, gypsy fortune teller appears at the door, complete with a cat, and she proceeds to tell him that he will be successful in life as long as he doesn't anger the Nain Rouge. So they, they travel from Quebec area. They cross the Detroit River. They tear down a bunch of Native American um, monuments, sacred mounds, stuff like that, to build Fort Detroit, or uh, Letroit, as they, they would call it. So they build this fort, and for a while, everything is great until Cadillac and his uh, wife hear people complaining that things are not going as expected. It's much too costly to live there, and that the Nain Rouge has been sighted. And so within a short period of time after uh, Cadillac and his wife hear this um, gossiping going on as they're walking along the Detroit River, who should he encounter but the Nain Rouge? Who pops out of the, the countryside with a long stick and proceeds to challenge Cadillac to a, a stick fight of sorts. So um, being very ungentlemanly, uh, Cadillac proceeds to beat the Nain Rouge within an inch of his life. And the Nain Rouge curses Detroit and makes his way off. And so to this day, uh, we have a parade every third uh, Sunday in March to celebrate the Nain Rouge, give him his, his glory, and then we throw him in a car and drive him to Toledo and kick him out. Uh, <laughs> but legend goes that he has been, every single time that there has been a catastrophic um, event in the Detroit area, the Nain Rouge has been cited and has been blamed for it. Now, some people have a different take. Some people think that he is warning us of impending danger, but we are just not picking up on him and that he is a nature spirit and he is trying to help protect the natural surroundings um, of the Detroit area. On the flip side of that, people think that he brings it with him. You know, when, when he's cited, there's been ice storms. There's been three-day blackouts. There's been riots. There have been all kinds of catastrophes and calamities that are associated with the Nain Rouge. And it's been a couple of years since a sighting's been, you know, been made. But honestly, in this day and age, people don't really, um, they don't really pay attention. So with the Nain Rouge's description being a child-sized creature with, um, reddish skin, 
yellow glowing eyes, um, matted hair, and wearing, um, you know, ragged, you know, dirty clothes, um, a lot of people would just walk by him and see him as a homeless person hmm. and not really pay attention uh, unless he hits you with a stick. And then, of course, you're going to be, you know, hey, why did you do that? And you're going to take notice. Or unless he's doing something really, um, like, uh, extraordinary to get your attention, like climbing up an electrical pole or, um, you know, dancing down the street, you know, uh, uh, snickering at people. Um, kind of almost like a joker mentality with that. <laughs> and so with the Nain Rouge, you kind of, um, I guess it depends on what side of the, the you know, you're on. Is he, is he warning us of danger or is he bringing the danger with him and just stoking the fire as he goes? It kind of parallels Mothman where they don't yeah. know if it's yeah. impending doom or yes. whether they're actually bringing the disasters to Yeah, we don't area. know if it's a harbinger or, you know, the, the Nain Rouge and the Mothman fall into that category where um, catastrophic events are associated with them, but it depends on your point of view. You don't know if they're warning of it or if they're, they're the cause of it. So it really just depends on the way you interpret things and how, you know, your mindset is. So, um, like I said, we, we have a parade. Uh, we didn't do it this year, obviously, for COVID yeah. reasons. But um, it's a very, um, it's Mardi Gras style, but it's also very uniquely Detroit, where you have just all these people show up in, um, in the area down there by um, Traffic Jam and Snug, because um, the, the course is from Traffic Jam and Snug down to the Masonic Temple. And you probably have over a thousand people marching in the streets hmm. in red attire. And it's very, very cool. The, the parade itself is very, very cool. But it's the third Sunday um, of every March. And uh, it's, it's so uniquely Detroit. Um, it, it's kind of, uh, I don't want to say your patriotic duty, but your Michigan duty uh, to show up for at least one parade and help escort the Nain Rouge out of, there you out go. of Michigan. I'm glad you included the, cool. de de the description. Uh, we actually, we're running short. We're running out of time. Oh, no. Yeah. I know, right? So I, I need to do a shout-out to the Reverend Robert Duchesne and Nicole, who were on the last show. Uh, Lisa in Thunder Bay, Canada, she, just, she did a thing recently at a general store where she had excessive uh, battery drainage. Uh, Danny Perez is from Connecticut. He runs a museum where they pick up uh, things that are supposedly haunted. He just picked up a, uh, from an exorcist. He picked up a doll with a malicious demonic attachment. He stores those things. Oh, goodness. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Pat Moss Library in Jamestown. Shout out to them. Brandon and I went out there. Yeah. That was a fun presentation out there. Yeah. So. We did a presentation on ghost hunting. Did a little... Yeah. A mock ghost hunt with them out there because they think they have some stuff happening. Mm -hmm. uh, Mary Bassett, our friend, she does the radio, so shout out to her and he Kelly here at WKTV. Uh, shout out to her. Shout out to uh, Maddie Court, who's pushing the buttons for us tonight. Uh, we must be getting real close. We got to oh, keep. I just want to add too, because like you said, the last one you didn't have the video for it. So you might want to post like where they can or say where they can listen to right. it for ones that normally. Be yeah. So that's kind of under, under upcoming. But uh, yeah, you can find us if you want to watch it at the whole picture podcast. If you want to just listen to it, you can 
get us at the journal at WKTV Journal. And the last podcast you have to listen to. It yeah, yeah. we don't have video yeah, for that one. So. Yeah. But um, you can also watch it, Spotify or Amazon, some other places too, or listen to it, not watch it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so do, you can listen to that one at, on the journal. Upcoming, Shatan, you got upcoming stuff? Oh, yes. Actually, next week I begin um, my fall series of classes at um, the Kellogg Community College, um, Paranormal History of the Great Lakes. And then this spring, I will be teaching Paranormal History of the Great Lakes at hopefully both Kellogg and Owens Community College. But I will be offering an additional course that's separate from that on cryptozoology of North America. Um, and each week we cover a different style of cryptid. So first week is like Bigfoot and Dogman. Next week is Lake Monsters. Third week is Flying Cryptids. And then the fourth week is stuff that just doesn't fall into any of those yeah. categories that uh, people have made claims of, of experiencing and witnessing and, uh, you know, just getting the information out there. So. Yeah, get over there and get and. You could almost use your book here for a textbook. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we have uh, upcoming uh, Monday nights at 11 p.m. You can see us on TV, on Comcast Channel 25 or Uverse Channel 99. It also streams live from WKTV. Uh, and coming up, we have Bill Konkoleski next month. That's why this guy here is a little early here. Uh, the alien showed up for Bill's show. He's a couple weeks early. We had Todd Clements coming at the end of next month. Yay. I know. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to skip final thought, really. Um, upcoming, also, our friend Mary Bassett is opening up a shop in Hastings, and she's going to have a grand opening for her new expanded shop, and that's November 14th between 11 and 5. Esther Joy, our friend, is going to do a thing at the Paddock Place October 30th and 31st from 6 to 11 p.m. She's doing tarot readings, and they're doing mansion tours. Brandon, are you well, doing our, something there? Our team, uh, Kent County Paranormal, will be out there as well. We'll be kind of we're doing like a podcast on Friday, and then Halloween we're doing like a walkthrough presentation, kind of different, some evidence we had in previous investigation there. So, so right here in Grand Rapids, get out to that. I mean, that place is definitely haunted. There's some really weird things. If you can get up to that third floor, they let you walk around there, so get out there. I like to leave us with inspirational things, and so I'm going to end this show on this. This quote has been quoted by Abraham Lincoln. It's been also... Other people have said the same thing, Nelson Mandela. But it really goes back to Confucius. And Confucius says, Our greatest glory is not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. Now, I realize right now we're not in good shape here in this country. But what I see in our community and my community is people helping each other out. Yeah. And so keep that up. You know, together we can get through this. We're down right now, but we can rise again. So, I mean, that's it. Another great show. It, went, it goes so fast. Peace out, everybody. Bye. Happy Halloween. Happy yeah. Halloween. <laughs> Family-owned Palermo Pizza underwrites this episode of Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast. Located at 901 Gazan Parkway, Southwest Wyoming, and available at 616-531-8300.
The opinions expressed in the preceding program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media. Thank you.